The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at McCarthy 74 On this week's show, our special VIP guests are Munster Women's Rugby Senior Players, Abby Salter Townsend and Roisin Ormond, plus our resident rugby expert, Wendy Keenan, following the province's brilliant Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship win away to Ulster. Crookstown Traditional Shuttercan Karate Club members Denise Lehan and Ashley O'Donovan join me on the bench ahead of representing Ireland at the upcoming SKIF World Karate Championships. Two weeks out from a brand new AFLW season, Big Red Bench AFLW expert Mike Curran is on the podcast to talk about all 33 Irish players and the pre-season news. Corkamogie Senior Manager Matthew Toomey joins me to discuss his county's memorable All-Ireland final victory over Waterford, visiting Temple Street Hospital and the magnificent reception Cork received returning with the O'Duffy Cup. The SE Systems Corkamogie Club Championships are underway, so I speak to Carberry Camogie and Clonakilty Club Captain Niamh Desmond Collins to look ahead to a busy period on the club calendar. That's all to come on this week's packed Women in Sport podcast. Former Skibbereen RFC and current UL Bohemians RFC scrum half Abby Salter Townsend made her Munster senior debut in her province's Vodafone women's interprovincial victory away to Ulster in Armagh last weekend. I caught up with the rising rugby star to discuss her career path to date, future ambitions and how preparations have been going ahead of Connacht's visit to Mosgrave Park on Saturday. Now here on Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench, hot on the heels of their bonus point, 41-14 win over Ulster. Ulster up in Armagh. The Munster women's rugby team got their 2023-24 Vodafone Women's Provincial Championship campaign off to the best possible start in defence of their title in search of three in a row. A fantastic performance and a fantastic result ahead of two hugely important games that are coming thick and fast. We are delighted here on the Big Red Bench to be joined by somebody who made her Munster senior debut and that's Abby Salter Townsend. Abby, you're very welcome to the bench. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. Yeah, it's really nice to be, I, I know how busy things are at this moment in between the interprovincial games because they come thick and fast, as we said. First of all, congratulations, your senior debut. I mean, obvious question to get out of the way, but the butterflies in the stomach when you're ready to come on, what was that moment like, or, or, or do you remember it? Yeah, obviously I was very nervous, but um, it was an honour to get my senior cap. I've been involved with this group since December and to finally get to pull on the jersey and, and come on in, a, in an interpro, it was unreal. Like, I just can't put it into words. I loved every second of it and can't wait to hopefully have plenty more. Is it hard to take in? I mean, you've been involved, as you said, for so long with this group, but when you're actually in an interprovincial match and the intensity of that, even from watching the game online and the tackling and some of the fantastic scores, I mean, the intensity and the pace of this, Abby, is much quicker, I would imagine, than club rugby, yes? Yeah, it's a very, very fast-paced game. There's some incredible talent playing in all four provinces and it's just great to say that I could step foot on the pitch with all of them and... I loved it. The adrenaline is great. And yeah, it was just buzzing, really. Um, talk to me about Neve Briggs and Fiona Hayes, not just those two, but the management team that they put around them this year and the kind of preparation that you've put in to this year's Interprovincials. Because from speaking to some of the, your, your teammates, Kate Flannery and Nicole Cronin last week, from speaking to Wendy Keenan every week, the, uh, the application and the professionalism of the off-field setup of Munster gets better every year. That's just my own opinion. But what was it like to be involved with like Sveen Keatley coming in and what have you picked up from this management team since you've gotten involved? 
Yeah, the environment they have us in is incredibly professional and it's great. I'm like a sponge every week in and out of training, just taking in every bit of knowledge that I can. And, you know, they've they've put in some serious hard work to get us to where we are. And it's really good to start off on the right foot and hopefully keep going at this intensity and to train at such a high level with the experience coming in with the with the lads Ian Keatley and Tommy O'Donnell. Um, it's just unreal to kind of get a little bit of their knowledge as we train each week. Mm. Um, quite a competitive setup as well, as I would imagine. There seems to be two, if not three people in some positions, for those positions, fighting for that short, same as the men's game, which is exactly what you would want. Um, and this Munster team, we've said it to your teammates, there's a bit of a target on the back when you're going for three in a row of Vodafone inter- interprovincials. A very, very difficult thing to do considering the quality of opposition. But is it just a case yourselves of just getting on the training pitch, doing everything you need to do and preparing, which you obviously did in that big win over Ulster? Yeah, I think, look, we've put in the work at this stage. Um, we feel good. It is incredibly competitive at trainings, but that's what you need to push yourself to get better. There's no point sitting at the top and just kind of hanging around. We need to push to get better um, in every aspect of our game. And I think if we can keep working now this week the way we worked last week, we could have another good game on our hands this weekend. Yes, and you've got cert- certainly the task ahead of you this weekend, which we're about to talk about. But just before we finish up on that Ulster game, talk to me about that Ellen Boyle and uh, Troy from deep in the Monster 22. It was just absolutely magical uh, to watch it online. But from your own point of view, watching on TV, I should say, um, on the pitch as well, uh, th- that was just sensational. Oh, it was it was class. Like Derv breaking off the back of the scrum, doing what she does best and just running at holes. And Ellen read it so well and was able to stay on her shoulder to get the pass off from Derv and then just to finish it off. There, the work certainly wasn't done by the time Ellen got the ball. She still ran about half, half the pitch and it was just incredible. I'm delighted for her on her on her debut as well to get the to get the try. And I was rooming with her on Friday night. Um it was brilliant. I was just buzzing. We were hopping around the sideline. It was unreal. And I would imagine the boost of not just a victory, uh, Abby, but the manner in the way he did it against a really tough and experienced Ulster team and, and above an Armagh as well. It's quite a long journey. All those things that go into it to get the result, to get the bonus point in the bag, the best possible preparation as you head into two very, very tough games. It's beginning with Connacht and then Leinster. But it must have been a very happy dressing room and it must have been a very, as you said, buzzing afterwards. But what was the message from Nave Briggs? Yeah, look, it, it was a tough first half. Um you know, we Ulster had a game under their belts. They played Connacht last week in a, in a warm-up and that kind of showed for the first while. But once we got comfortable and we got into our zone and we started playing what we practised, I think everything kind of fell into place. And I'm really proud of the effort that the girls put in. It was really good. And Briggs was proud of us as well. Obviously, we have work-ons, but that's how we learn is things, things mistakes happen and that's how we learn. We fix that next week in training, hopefully for the same mistakes not to happen again on Saturday. Yeah, you're listening to Corkshire FM's Big Red Bench here. We're speaking to Munster Senior Interprovincial Abby Salter Townsend following Munster's fantastic bonus point uh, Interprovincial Championship opening round win 41-14 to 14 away to Ulster and ahead of this weekend's crunch encounter with Connacht at Musgrave Park. Um, you weren't the only person to pick up a first Munster Senior cap this past weekend. Abby, uh, Brianna Hel- 
Hailman, I just hit me for getting it wrong. Jane Clahassey and Ellen Boylan also got their first caps. But from your family's point of view, and I know you're UL Bows, uh, but you've, you know, you, you came up through the ranks in Skibbereen RFC and had a very, very successful time there. From your club's point of view, you can see how pro they are because they're all over social media on this with pictures and, and, and joy to see you, uh, you know, getting that first senior cap. But from the family and friends' point of view, it must have been a lovely moment too. Yeah, look, my, my parents made the journey up um, to come up to Armagh and see us. And it was just great to have them there. It was really special. I'm really glad they, I really wanted them there. And just proud, the, the pride of putting on the jersey and going out. And after all my hard work over the last few months to finally have it pay off. And I think they were more nervous than I was before the game. And yeah, look, everyone in Skibreen has been great support and I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't started out with them when I was 15, nearly seven years ago now. So yeah, just delighted to say that they were there when it happened. And much like the men's setup, Abby, there's a bit of a West Cork mafia developing in the women's uh, setup as well, because yourself, Michelle O'Driscoll, um, who's Skibbereen RFC and Ballon Colleague from LEP, uh, you've Gillian Coombs, and also now um, Saskia Witcherly from Bantry Bay Rugby, uh, Rugby Club, who's part of the, one of the nine development players involved. Um, is it nice to have others from West Cork and people that you might know, maybe not necessarily know very well, but you'd know from previous encounters um, as part of the panel? Yeah, it's great. I would have played with Michelle and Skib um, when I was still there two years ago and I'd be very close with her. I would have grown up with Gillian um, in Skibbereen and I travel up and down a lot with Saskia. So I'd be quite close to a lot of the girls and it is nice to have someone from down here. It makes the journey a bit shorter up and down to Limerick all the time and it's great. And I, I can't wait to see how far they'll get. Saskia coming up through the development and Michelle being in the squad for the first time and Gillian getting her first start yesterday. It was great. Mm. Just so happy to see other West Cork people. Yes, indeed. And as I said, much like the men's team. Uh, does Is there a West Cork Mafia nickname or are you okay? Are they, are they, they're not picking any or anything like that, are they? No, they're not, thankfully. <laughs> I meant that in jest <laughs> before everybody rings in. Yeah, okay. We have each other's backs. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Um, no. Out of the frying pan, into the proverbial fire, because it's one thing to go up to Ulster and win. It's another thing to turn that around very quickly, because this Saturday on August 19th at Musgrave Park at quarter past three, Munster hosts Connacht. It would normally be a tough game anyway, Abby, because Connacht are a quality team. You know that. But the fact that they've got a last minute win over Leinster in their opening match um, now raises the stakes even higher for this particular game. I would imagine uh, training isn't going to be an issue or focus isn't going to be an issue of all weeks following on from that result. Yeah, this weekend will be tough after that result. Um, it's really opened up the competition for everyone. Um I play with a few of the Connacht girls in club at a club level, so I know them. They they are definitely a quality side, and we'll definitely be have to be focused and sharp for this weekend coming. They'll be gunning for us now after their big win at the weekend. Um, is it quite intense? I mean, obviously, from an interprovincial point of view, you've played you know uh, just below the senior level on your way up. But the fact that the games are so close, one one after the other, I mean, is it is it a good thing in one sense? Is that you you don't really have time to bask in the glow of a win or you know get too down in the dumps if you lose? You've got to turn it around very very quickly. And I imagine the training and the intensity, especially this week leading into a game, and then Leinster the following week. Um, you know, it's quite intense. How are you finding that step up in training anyway, and just getting involved? I'm loving the intensity and the step up. I think I'm thriving or trying my best to at this level. It's just trying to take it all in and to stay focused. 
um, and to kind of roll on and keep the momentum going off a big win like that. And hopefully we can bring that this weekend, especially because it's our only home game. It'll be great to um, to have our, our home crowd cheering us on. Hopefully that will help us get over the line and get another win. That's exactly it, because as we said, uh, Munster take on Connacht at Mosgrave Park at quarter past three on Saturday, August 19th. We're hoping everybody in Red FM are going to get a huge crowd out and promote it as much as we possibly can ahead of August 26th, where you go to Energy Park to take on Leinster. Now, there is the caveat, finally, Abby, we have to say this, because Wendy Keenan announced it last week here with us on the Big Red Bench, but Musgrave Park has been selected as the finals day for this year's Interprovincials. Now, we don't attempt fate, but there is that carrot there that if you could get to a final, uh, an actual final, and, you know, in Musgrave Park, I mean, that would be something special, but we're not counting our chickens because I know your only focus is on Connacht for now. But it is a nice thought for the supporters and everybody around Munster, if we can do it. Yeah, that would be the ideal situation. It doesn't really get much better than that. If we got the chance to play an interprovincial final in front of a home crowd in Cork, it would just be incredible. I actually couldn't put into words what that would feel like yet, because again, I don't want to count my chickens. But yeah, that's definitely something to work towards. But we have to tackle this weekend and then Leinster the following weekend. And then we can see how we're feeling after that. But it would be the dream to get that at home, all right? It certainly would, and why not dream? But as you said correctly, only focus this week is on Saturday's crunch encounter with Connacht, who are coming off a big win over Leinster. It's in Musgrave Park. It's a quarter past three. We keep repeating it because we want to get as many supporters out there as possible. But Abby Salter-Townsend, we're absolutely thrilled for you that you've made the breakthrough at senior level at Munster. It's richly deserved um, after all the effort that you put in with Skibbereen RFC and UL Bohemians. We wish you well for the remainder of the Vodafone Interprovincial Championship Series. We hope everything keeps going on a positive note. It certainly started off on a positive positive note and thank you for taking the time to speak to us today here on the Big Red Bench. Thank you so much. Experienced Munster Women's Rugby senior Roisin Ormond joined our regular rugby expert Wendy Keenan and I on this week's Corkside FM Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. The Ballincollig RFC stalwart scored a try in last weekend's Munster Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship win away to Ulster. Having made her senior debut in the 2013-14 season, Roisin Ormond was in the news recently with the story of how she battled back from long COVID to once again pull on the famous Munster jersey. Roisin also talked to us about her recovery, her work in MTU and previewed this weekend's clash with Connacht. Now on the Big Red Bench, we've just heard from Munster Rugby senior debutant uh, Abby Salter Townsend. We're delighted to have a second player on with us on the bench this week. We are delighted to be joined by Balancholic RFC prop Roisin Armand. Uh, Roisin, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's very good of you to join us in a very busy week for you ahead of facing Connacht. And of course, as ever, we're joined by our now resident rugby, Munster women's rugby expert and fast becoming agent, uh, might I say, Wendy Keenan. Wendy, how are you? I'm great, Jerry. Thanks a million. Let's start with you, Wendy, because we've heard from Abby just there about what a fantastic day it was for her to make her senior debut up in Armagh in the Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship and a big win for Munster. Hard-earned win for Munster, Wendy, but a real morale-boosting one too. Yeah, look, I mean, it was a comprehensive bonus uh, point win, which we'll talk about later and, and the importance of that um, over Ulster. 
Um, it was a, cl- a, fo- a closely fought battle, really, I suppose, for the first half with Ulster having lots of possession. But we saw at half time a Munster leading 17 7 uh, due to tries from Claude O'Halloran, two from Stephanie Carl, and the conversion by Kate Flannery there. The second half then saw tries from Roshi Normand, Ellen Boyle, and Brianna Hellman, and a third from Stephanie Carl, and um, with conversions from Kate Flannery and Efo Shocknessy. I suppose it was very much the first half was very much, um, you know, first match back. Back. Lots of mistakes, I suppose, really from both sides in the first half. I mean, we saw Ulster dropping the ball in the in-goal area, um, which gave uh, Stephanie her first try. But um, the second half was very different. And we saw a lot of, I suppose, we have to talk about the impact from the bench if we were watching social media and the clips from that. I mean, the experience of Dervla Nikovars coming in there at the eight position and... Um, it, it was superb to see how she, you know, picked the ball from the back of the scrum in front of the post, weaved through the Ulster defence before offloading uh, to Ellen Boylan, who ran in that fantastic drive for about 50 metres in. Um, so it was, look, Ellen was one of four who made their senior debut at the weekend. Um, I know we've spoken to one, um, but we also have to mention Brianne Ellman, who also scored a try, and Jane Clossie as well, who also came back. And it was a very important bonus point win, uh, ending with the scoreline of 41-14. And I have to mention, Stephanie Carl earned her well-deserved Player of the Match award after a hat-trick hat of tries. Yes, a good day all round and a really good round of performance and, as you said, impact off the bench. But for you, Roisin, you're, you're an experienced player at this stage when it comes to this Munster squad. It seems like there's a lot of new development players on the fringe training with you under Neve Briggs and Fiona Hayes. Preparations clearly have gone very, very well. Um, a lot of expertise coming in as well. We talked to Abby Bodie and Keating, players like that, that have been helping you out. In all your years playing for Munster, um, how does this one compare in terms of the squad and the makeup of the squad? It's obviously working very well when you see the result that you got in Armagh. Um, I, I suppose to start off, really, we've had, um, with the squad this year, we've nine development players. Um, and I think that's been, you know, especially for us, uh, you know, the senior players, you know, having the young ones chasing your tail makes us better players. I think that's a huge thing. Um, their energy, um, especially, but even just having, you know, um, Tommy O'Donnell involved enough um, and the likes of Sean O'Brien, it's been great having, the, sorry, Sean, Sean Cronin, not Sean O'Brien, um, having their experience in it, so it's been great. And I suppose that's probably the difference that we've had this year, you know, in terms of having extra sports with Ian, Ian Casello as well. Um, and I think that's all been adding, but I think definitely the, the energy from the younger girls um, has been really driving us on and making us better players. Um, so, yeah, that's... And we're seeing the effects of the pathway here as well, Roisin. I mean, the underage structures now have never been stronger in Munster Women's Rugby. We talk about it every week with Wendy. We understand how it works. It's schools rugby is exploding. Tag rugby. If you're a young girl, no matter what part of the province, and this is the key thing, I think it's the one thing, I don't know if you've seen this as well, you're a Bannocolic player, but it's not just one area of the province anymore. Like the Obviously, the obvious areas like Limerick and Cork are always very, very strong, but you've got Kilrush, you've got Ennis, you've got Feathered, you've got all these other places where maybe women's rugby was never prevalent before, Skibbereen in West Cork. Um, it's a good time uh, for Munster women's rugby. And as you said, that competition for places, it sounds like training ahead of the Connacht game is going to be quite intense. Oh, uh, absolutely it is. Um, and it's, we, yeah, we have a tough week tough week ahead of us um you're just looking at how Connacht played the other day very very tough but in terms of Platway, Platway you know I've been you know looking at a few uh, like mini competitions you know and you 
youth, youth games down to the years and the numbers are phenomenal. Um, I was at a final there um, in Corcon last year and I couldn't get over the crowd alone supporting an under 16 final girls final. It was phenomenal. Like the crowd, I think there was definitely well over 100 people there, which is huge, like huge for an under 16 game. Um, you know, like going back to my year, um, you know, I actually had no team to play with for two years. So you like, I would have lo- I'd love to be playing um as a, like under under 14 or f- f- 50 now it's phenomenal this horse is great great parties are there as a player with your experience do you see the difference in the players coming in in terms of technique and preparation that they're that bit more ready for it now oh absolutely the skills the skills are already there the basics are there um you know even just for me like from last who cut a couple of years ago, we were still teaching people skills, but the girls are coming up now. Um, especially in Ballincollig, we have five girls that came came have come up from under eight from, from under eighteens, um, and their skills the, the skills are there. They're ready to go, um, and they're ready to make their AIL debut. So we're seeing players at that, and that's just from Ballincollig perspective. But um, it's great. Yes, we'll talk about Ballincollig. I can see it's a big thing with you. Right? It's a good club as well to be with. Um, a recent <laughs> newspaper article in the Irish Examiner and in the Irish Independent uh, about. Uh, you, you, Roisin, spoke about your unfortunate um, COVID and long COVID that you've experienced. Now, I don't want to dwell on it too long because we want to keep on the positives because you've had a fantastic start to the to the, to the interprovincials. But it would be remiss of me not to ask you about that. Can you just briefly detail what happened yeah. and how you recovered, which is the more important thing? Um, I suppose so. I got COVID um, at, uh, in 2020, whenever I Joe at the Christmas time, um, and it wasn't until like a few weeks later um, when I was actually walking up the stairs on the phone to my mum, and mum was like, "Are you running?" And I was I was totally out of breath, um, and things just wasn't just weren't right. So went to doctor. Fortunately, had um, a couple of blood clots. Um, very, very big scare. Um, very scary time. Um, had to put, put a lot of things on hold. My masters. Um, and sports everything um but thankfully um was able to between the consultant doctor um I was able was on I was sick for about six months and I unfortunately had long COVID in terms of long COVID pain. So I suffered um with a lot of um body aches state pains daily. Um that was a very, very tough time. Um and I suppose for me it was just start in terms of getting better. Um it was just conversations with my doctor. We focused on on food and we focused on exercise. So I was doing short walks, you know, I started off like walking to the end of the road and back, um, you know, and really, really small walks. Um and then gradually gradually brought it up from there. Um and yeah, just long walks, runs and things like that. Um I never thought I'd be back on a pitch. Like I you know, I remember at start I think maybe going to coaching role or refereeing, I but I never thought I'd be back. Um and I didn't think I'd have the capacity. Um but, you know, I slowly decided, you know, like we only have one life, I want to make the most of it. So um I decided what I just kind of with my family kind of decided I want to go back playing sport um, for me because I love playing sport and it's not even just with sports itself it's for the girl you know so for, so for the girls for, for my friends um, so yeah I love playing with the girls so um, I think that was a big thing um, and for me I was just I actually cried um, the, my first game back was up in Cook um, I cried on the pitch um, and I still I still laugh I was still suffering with COVID pains at the time I was trying to pick, um, and I remember I had to take a breather we had one or two scrums and I was out of breath and and um, I was down the next and the ref was asking me, oh, are you all right? And I didn't hear him. And my friend was like, oh, no, sure, she just has the COVID. And he was literally looking and she was like, no, 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 I'm COVID, she's fine, she's fine. Um, so it was a, it's been a really long journey. Um, a lot of, a lot of, 
I had a lot of pain for a while, but I got through it. Um, um, but yeah, delighted to be back in New Jersey. Um, I was very emotional when I first, when I got that call last year, you know, that call last year. Um, I think I spent half the time crying on the pitch uh, with happiness. But um, yeah, just delighted to be back. Um, and that's, yeah, sorry, what? Joe John there. I, I don't blame you. I mean, I'm nearly in tears here listening to it and I've read the story a couple of times. Um, it's one thing to suffer from it and come back from it in normal everyday life, but to come back and be an interprovincial senior player, I know you had to change positions and maybe things have changed, but that's that's a good thing. Um, I, I just take my hat off to you. I think that's fantastic. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, Wendy, I want to give her a chance here, no, because I don't want to get I don't want to get her too upset, but and I don't want to focus too much on it because I want to talk about the rugby. That's why we have you on, Rashid. But um <laughs> Wendy, I mean, when you hear that kind of a story and you see that kind of dedication and you see that kind of heart and belief and self-belief and motivation, that is what Munster Rugby looks for in a man or a woman when they want them to put on that jersey. Absolutely, Anna. I mean, it's testament to Roisin herself and her determination and the training she had to do to get back into a competitive position and retrain, I suppose, you know what I mean, in a very technically difficult position on the pitch. And then to come back and play um, last Saturday and score the try routine, which we have to mention, um, you know what I mean? So they're special moments as well. So um, it's, you know, it's it's fantastic. You know, um, we we're, we're definitely need more front row players. So to, to have that experience coming in is is wonderful. It's, it's great. It's a real feel good story and in a time when a lot of people mightn't have had that same ending I'm delighted we're delighted very obviously Roshin but let's not dwell on it as I said now you got that try so was was there a bit of bragging in the dressing room afterwards I know there was a hat-trick hero in there and I know there was an Ellen Boyle in 100 yard one like but surely your one got a bit of a mention or did it uh, no, no, definitely not. Because I, I feel like I just got lucky. Because in fairness to Derby, she had done all the hard work. She was just very lucky not to get there. Um, but um, yeah, happy to power over. But um, yeah, I was I think Derby was very lucky not to get the, get it. But um, and she would have deserved it. Um, but um, yeah, but it was good. Yeah, it's no, we'll give, her, we'll give her the two assists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, you're far yeah. too. You're, <laughs> <laughs> you, you've still a bit to learn about the loose head position because there's been no modesty in that position you know you own that position so don't be a bit afraid to tell them um, before we finish up and talk about what's ahead and Connacht at the weekend can I just ask you because you work in MTU in Cork um, what is science for life you're an officer a science for life officer just briefly yeah. because I find that fascinating what kind of work do you do because it sounds far more interesting than what I do uh, I so basically what I do is I work with deaf schools around Cork city and county um, trying to increase STEM participation um, numbers of students uh, taking up STEM um, in a deaf school is really low like you're looking there's some schools there's only like two or three you know, doing biology um, in a class of, uh, sorry in a year group of 80 um, so my role is to up with new innovative ways to get um, young people to take up STEM um, I really enjoy it um, but uh, yeah really love my job um, I'm not in long but um, I love it yeah I really it sounds like, as you can tell from your voice. Um, this weekend, just finally, uh, Roisin, uh, it's one thing to be playing in Musgrave Park, which is always a lovely thing for any Munster player, um, but playing such an important game because you're the reigning champions, you're the three in a row chasing Munster team, looking at the history books, but we don't focus necessarily on that. But coming in the gate is not just any old Connacht team. It's a team that beat Leinster up in Leinster last week. Now, I only saw the very end of it, but I could see from reading match reports, this is a serious Connacht outfit. So I would imagine, as I said to Abby uh, Salter Townsend just beforehand, focus is never an issue for a Munster senior player anyway. But this week of all weeks, I would imagine you are zoned in with Niamh and Fiona and everyone around you telling you we cannot let our standards drop because this Connacht team is a serious outfit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Connacht are always um, a really tough side, a really, um, 
and this this time after beating, I think it was their first time since 2006 that they've beaten Leinster. Um, so it's going to be a huge game. We 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 like we knew it's going to be a big game, but this is after Saturday. We know like there's a huge thing on the cards. Um, a lot of work needs to be done this week on our side. Um, but we're looking forward to welcoming them in Musgrave Park. Um, for a good game. Looking forward to welcoming. I love when the rugby players say that. Um. <laughs> Wendy, this one sells itself, but we want a big crowd out. We want a big crowd behind Munster because they're going to need all the support they can get. This is a huge game. It is. I mean, uh, Connacht are going to travel now full of confidence after their defeat, you know, uh, of Leinster, you know, scoring that try in the 81st minute, you know what I mean, to win the game. I mean, a very exciting finish, 18-17, the final score. But they're a youthful squad. They've had, you know, four retirements of their very experienced players last season, from last season. And five of those girls that are involved in that squad were away with the Irish under-20s, which we spoke about their trip mm-hmm. to, to Italy. And they have a very good number 10, uh, Nicole uh, Foley. So, we, you know, that's a player to watch for anybody coming to the game. So it's a double header. So the under-18s will be opening their Interpro campaign on Saturday. So they will kick off at 12.45 in Musgrave Park. And that will be followed by the senior match at 3.15. And you said it. We need people in the gate supporting um supporting the girls. Um, you know, it should be a very exciting day for 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 rugby. And look, hopefully, we'll all be smiling, Roisin, and 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 the rest of the squad will all be smiling when we when we leave Musgrave Park on on Saturday. No one sells a monster women's rugby game like Wendy Keenan does. That's why I let her do her thing at the end of every podcast. Wendy, as ever, thank you so much for joining us and arranging this week's interviews again. We really do appreciate it here in the Big Red Bench. And to Roisin, Armand, um, an absolutely fantastic story. It's fantastic to see you in that monster rugby rugby jersey. Keep it up. Keep it going. And uh, let's keep the try scoring uh, going as well. You know, we, want, we want your name up there at the end of the, of the season in the try scoring charts as well. But it's been a real pleasure talking to you. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us here on the bench in a very busy week. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much, Ger. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Crookstone traditional Shotokan Karate Club members Denise Lehan and Ashling O'Donovan will represent the Ireland SKIF Karate Squad at the SKIF World Karate Championships in Hungary from the 25th to the 27th of August. Both First Dan Black Belts, Denise and Ashling spoke to me on the Big Red Bench about how important their Crookstone traditional Shotokan Karate Club is to them and their local community, as well as their excitement at competing for Ireland at the SKIF World Karate Championships. Now on Cork Shred FM's Big Red Bench, we are absolutely delighted to be joined by two members of the Ireland SKIF Karate Squad heading to the World Karate Championships, which are taking place in Hungary between August 25th and 27th. They're two members of the traditional Shotokan Karate Club from Crookstone, Denise Lehan and Ashley O'Donovan. Denise, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. How are you? Thanks very much. I'm very good. Good stuff. And Ashley, how are you getting on? Oh, great. Thank you, Ger. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, for the, thank you for taking the time out to speak to us. We know, you know you're in the, the final kind of uh, the last furlong before you head off to Hungary. So there's a lot of preparation going on. I should point out that both of you are first Dan Black Belts. So I think that's congratulations on that. That's an achievement in itself. Denise, if I just come to you first, this will be your first time competing uh, at a world championships at an international level. You must be very excited and looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a big thing for me, yeah. Um, does it help having other club members with you heading out there? Yeah, like um, I think all of them have competed internationally before, so they're a little bit more experienced in that way, so they've kind of helped me with the nerves and that kind of stuff, so yeah. 
Well, it's only natural that you'd have nerves, but you are involved, as I mentioned, both of you are involved with the traditional Shotokan Karate Club in Crookstone. How long are you uh, involved in karate? What, what age did you start? Um, I suppose I started when I was about seven or eight, so 10 years now-ish. Um, so yeah, I started because my brother and my dad were doing it and I just wanted to be involved. And I did a ton of sports growing up and it was just kind of the one that really stuck with me and I kept it up until now. So yeah. And what is it about karate, Denise, that, that you've stuck with it? Is it just like you keep fit? I mean, it obviously helps you, you know, it's obviously self-defense as well, obviously, but I mean, it keeps you fit, but there seems to be a nice community spirit around this particular club. Oh yeah, definitely. I'd say it helps that, you know, we're all friends and we all get along in the club. Um, and yeah, also of course, like the fitness side of it and stuff like that. Um, Ashling, this is not your first time competing at international level because you've told me you've competed at the 2019 World Championships in the Czech Republic and the 2022 World Championships in Holland. You were also a first Dan black belt. How much are you looking forward uh, to heading to Hungary with this team? I'm I'm buzzing for this one because I went when I was uh, about 13 in 2019 and that was an amazing achievement, but it wasn't like very serious for me because I wasn't like to the level I am now. And like last year was great, but it just didn't go the way I wanted it to. So this year, like I've put in the time and the effort and I'm buzzing because I'm really hoping that this one's going to be the one for me. Okay, for people who don't know about what actually happens at a World Karate Championships, I have a fairly good idea, a rudimentary idea, but for people who don't know, when you land over in Hungary and when you check into the hotel and all that, what actually happens during those days of competition? So we normally fly out because it's always the same format of like, Friday, the juniors compete in the masters, which are like over 40. And then Saturday is like everyone else. And then Sunday is when they have the big finals and the team events. So we fly out normally on a Wednesday and then we have a rest day. We try to get there as early as we can. So we're getting used to it. We're sleeping, all that. And then Thursday, each country has a designated time to do a bit of stretching and training on the mats. So you also get used to like the atmosphere of the actual arena. And then Friday is when the competition starts. And when you say competition, Ashling, what is it? Are you one-on-one on one against another opponent? Is it is it full contact or how does it work? Yeah, so it depends on, because we have two coaches. We have a coach for kata, which is like a series, like a pattern of movements. And then we have a coach who is my dad for Komase, which is fighting. So each competition, like every country runs it slightly different, but it's normally the same format of you get there, and you're called out for your kata, which is your pattern of movement. So you go out against another person. One person is white and one person is red. And there's a, a head coach and they say, uh, Yen Shodan, which is uh, one of the castes. And then you both do the same series of movements. And then at the end, there's five judges and they pick either red or white for the best person. And then you progress on. Um, so that's kata. And then when you get to finals, you get to pick your favorite kata and then it's scored by numbers. And then the winner is the winner. Um, but for Komisei, it's slightly different. And that always comes after because it's the physical fighting aspect. So obviously, you don't want to be having that before the kata and getting injured and all that. So it's kind of keep the injuries to the end of the day. Uh, but no, it's in fairness, crash is great as in it's not full contact. You do get pulled a lot. Like if you're hitting too hard and you're hitting into the face, you'll get pulled on that immediately. But it is one-on-one fighting. Excellent stuff. Um, Denise, from your own point of view, uh, and those two disciplines that Ashling has outlined there, have you have you a personal favourite, or is there one that you're you know that you'd lean towards more? Um, definitely, I was a lot more comfortable competing kata. 
simply because it's not exactly like contact or anything. You're just doing your routine and you're being, um, I suppose, judged on like how good your routine is and stuff. But um, I've started working on Kumite a lot more lately and I'm starting to really just um, understand it a lot better and just, I don't know. I'd say I do prefer doing the kata though just because you can like perfect your routines and it's kind of just, I don't know, but... Sorry. No, you're okay. I would imagine, actually, Denise, it's a, it's a confidence thing, isn't it? That's really what karate gives you. It gives you confidence to learn your routines and your patterns and deliver them the way you should against an opponent. But that, in turn, then builds up over a bit of time. And then you have that bit more confidence to actually try the combat. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of katas to remember um, when you go out and they could ask you any of the ones that you know. Mm. And then whereas in Kumite, you go out and it's up to you. You can throw punches or kicks or whatever you want to do. Um, mm. But yeah, that kind of depends on the person, which one they prefer. Because, you know, if you have a good memory at remembering the katas and stuff, but whereas with Kumite, you can kind of be more creative, I suppose. Yeah. You have to stick to the moves um, in kata. That's a very good explanation of it. Can I ask you, Denise, what, how long and what was involved in becoming a first Dan black belt to get to that level? How, many, how, how long did you have to spend uh, at the discipline? Um, it's years of training anyways. Um, and you grade, you know, you start as a beginner and then you grade to a white belt, yellow belt, orange belt, all the way up. Uh, there's three brown belts. And then once you're on your third brown belt, you can go for your black belt. And that's like a very serious um, examination, I suppose, because you have to do a pre-grading first. And then if you pass the pre-grading, you can go for the actual thing. Um, so, yeah, it's a really long process, but it's really worth it in the end because the black belt is like a huge achievement. And it is a huge achievement because, as you said, you put in a lot of time and effort. And actually putting in all that time and effort, it helps when the tree, uh, you know, when the, the sensei, I suppose, is your dad, or maybe it doesn't at all. Um, maybe he's a bit more critical. He doesn't sound like he is. But from your point of view, how important has, has your dad been to you? Uh, not just obviously as a dad, but obviously getting this club and keeping this club going. And it's a club with a, with a growing uh with a growing name, not just in Cork, but outside of Cork, as you received an award recently, as well as the National Perpetual Trophy for the, for the best club of 2023. So something, you know, it, it sounds like the Crookstone Club is growing all the time, but how, how important has it been to have a sensei in Gareth O'Donovan, your dad? Oh, it's it's absolutely fantastic because, like, knowing me, you, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, no, she definitely does like some kind of martial art or combat. Like, I don't think I ever would have gotten into it if it wasn't for him. Mm. But I've been watching classes since I was very young and I started training when I was eight. And like it's it's been such a long journey to get where we are now. But honestly, I think he's one of the best coaches out there. And I'm not just saying that because he's my coach and my dad, but he's absolutely fantastic. And in fairness, the club has grown so much because it is in the kind of back ends of nowhere. Mm. Um, but we now have the reputation that like, you know, there's a few lads from the Irish squad that have like they come down from Tipperary to do a few training sessions with us and they come down from the top of court to come train with us and it's really good and like honestly it's one of the best clubs out there there's the best atmosphere like we're all friends and it's it's just fantastic honestly you're listening to Cork Shred FM's Big Red Bench here with me, Jar McCarthy. We're speaking to two members of the Ireland SKIF Karate Squad heading to Hungary between the 25th and 27th of 
of August to take part in the SKIF World Karate Championships. That's Denise Lehan and Ashley O'Donovan. And we probably should mention the three other lads from your club that are going as well, because I might get myself into trouble. That's Ben O'Donoghue, who's a third Dan Black Belt, Robert Lehan, who's a second Dan Black Belt, and Eddie Shane, who's a first Dan Black Belt, and of course, the main man himself, the sensei, Garrett O'Donovan. Um, Ashling, going to a World Championships, competing at the highest level, representing your country is a huge, huge honour. But for a lot of parents with young kids, sometimes they look at martial arts and they kind of go, oh, I don't know if that's, maybe that's not for my child. They'd be afraid they'd get hurt. What would you say to a parent, somebody like yourself that's so experienced at it now, even though you're still quite young, um, the benefits, the main benefits of getting involved in a club like Crookstone Karate? See, there's there's a lot to a sport like karate besides just the combat side of it. So a lot of kids come, and like dad normally doesn't let anyone under eight come, but there's been a few recently. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of combat. You learn the very basics at the start. And it's a great sport to teach you discipline and patience and stuff like that because, you know, when especially when you're a beginner, you're learning one castle. You know, like when you get to our level, you can learn five or six at once. But when you're a white belt, you're learning one. So you have to have the patience and the dedication to focus your time and do that. And then even like with staying with the, the class in terms of timing and stuff like that, you do have to learn that bit of patience and discipline. And it's just showing up every week and putting in that time and effort. I think it really would do a lot for a kid um, at a young age. Denise, would you you'd agree with that? I mean, you started quite young as well, but you've obviously seen the benefits of it. And here you are competing at a world a world championships. Any young child that is looking for this type of type of discipline and confidence builder, karate is a fantastic thing to get involved with. Oh, I would definitely think so. Um, I started karate when I was seven or eight, like I said. And I'm 17 now, so that's nearly a decade now of doing karate and coming to the club every week. And, yeah, I definitely recommend it to any young person thinking of taking on a sport, like whether it's for the physical kind of aspect of it or just to make friends or whatever side of it. I don't know. I definitely recommend it anyways. And just finally to you, Ashling, I mean, obviously there's a lot of excitement around Crookstone, like five members representing the Irish International Karate Squad heading to a World Championships is, is fantastic uh, endorsement of the work being done within your own club. But I would imagine you've, this is your third World Championships, but it sounds like you're very excited. And what are the hopes and aspirations heading over to Hungary? Um, listen, it's a, it's a tough competition, especially when it's the Worlds and not just the Euros. But it is a massive thing to go over and do. And it's kind of, you do have that sense of achievement for just getting there and putting yourself out in the map because it is such a big atmosphere. Like Ireland is such a tiny country. Our competitions, like size-wise, don't even compare. Like we don't train in massive arenas and stuff like that. So it is like, it's amazing. But, you know, it would be absolutely fantastic to go over and place and win a few medals. Um, it would be great. And, you know, like we have people that can do it. Um, but it's just to see what happens. You know, it's it's a hard competition. So... We'll just see what happens, I guess. Indeed, we will. Between the 25th and 27th of August in Hungary, the SKIF World Karate Championships are taking place. The SKIF Karate Squad, Irish squad, will have five members of the traditional Shotokan Karate Club from Crookstone, including the two people that we've just interviewed, Denise Lehan and Ashley O'Donovan. From everybody here on the Big Red Bench, we wish you all the best. Best of luck with it. And we will catch up with you when you come back and hear how you get on. But for now, thank you very much for joining us here on the Big Red Bench. Thank you so Thanks much, sir. AFLW expert and Aussie Rules coach to the stars, Mike Curran, is back on the big red bench to give us his expert opinion on all the latest on and off-field AFLW news. 
Mike has over 20 years experience of the AFLW, playing, coaching and managing, and remains an integral link between future Irish AFLW stars and a first contact for all those Irish women currently under AFLW contracts in Australia. Now then, we are just two weeks out from the start of a brand new AFLW season down under with all those Irish players taking part this year, record number involved as we said. We've throughout the summer at various junctures spoken briefly about what's been happening in terms of drafts, in terms of teams getting their rosters together, but we are now just a fortnight out, I can't believe that, a fortnight out from the new season. So there's only one man to talk to, and that is Red FM's resident AFLW expert and coach as well to many, many Irish players in Australia, Mike Curran. Mike, how are you? Hi, Ger. We knew it was going to roll in, but it's still a bit of a shock that it's so close now at this stage. I noticed you've been flat calling there as well, just to get that out of your system for a weekend before you got down to business, yeah? Oh yeah, you have to get a bit of the fly in before the season starts. Before a mighty, a mighty weekend in Mullingar, in fairness, there now on the way home from Crow Park from yes. a mighty day of, at the All Ireland. So yeah, a big weekend. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. We'll do it on the flat calling yourself and what you got up to. But anyway, let's get down to business because as you said, we're only two weeks out. A lot of activity on the social media channels with all the Irish players, which I've been following myself and various uh, franchises. But we start with news of Ailish Considine and what uh, she's heading north. She is, Ger. And look at it, as I say, just when we thought we were done, um, there was a flurry of activity there recently. Uh, we were at 33 players, of course. First of all, we had the news then that Vicky Wall was not returning to not Melbourne this season, uh, that she has decided to focus on rugby, yet another code, and I'm sure she'll excel at that as well uh, in the run-up to the Olympics next year with the Irish Rugby Sevens programme. So that left us down an Irish player, but not for long. Literally, um, within a couple of days, um, we heard that Ailish Constantine is going back to North and I was delighted to be involved in helping Ailish get back over there. So uh, brilliant news, you know, um, obviously we've talked about Ailish many times on the podcast and to go to North with her experience, you know, a, a double premiership winner, um, she's going to add something different to the squad. Uh, she flew out at short notice, uh, literally only got the last week of preseason, but just goes to show there are opportunities right up until the season starts. So we had, one Irish player replacing another. The number is still at 33, but we have a new face at North Melbourne uh, Kangaroos, and that's Ailish Constantine. Excellent stuff. And uh, as ever, uh, the Kangaroos are a franchise we've talked about extensively, obviously with Vicky Wall and with, um, with Eric O'Shea out there, and now Ailish Constantine as well. I'm sure we're going to be talking about the Kangaroos quite a lot when the season does start. Before that, uh, we've had a match simulation round completed last weekend ahead uh, of upcoming practice rounds. Mike, for the uninitiated like myself, explain the difference between a simulation round and a practice round when it comes to AFLW. Yeah, sure. So these are kind of the the last few weeks of build-up towards round one of the season, and it's where the teams get to get their first competitive games and hit-outs against opposition, I suppose. Up to now, it would all have been pre-season training and intra-club games and in-house games and all that. So last weekend, we had what's called a match sim round, and basically what that is, it's it's the round that precedes the official practice round, but basically it allows teams to have a competitive hit-out against each other um, the games are generally a bit longer. Sometimes they're they're four quarters of twenty minutes. Sometimes they're even uh, longer quarters than normal. And normally, most of the the teams are allowed to use their full squad. So or they are allowed to use the full squad. So generally, clubs who have a list of thirty players will have used the majority of those players in match sim last weekend. Whereas what we're going to talk about in a few minutes is the official practice round next weekend. That's back to competition squad rules and stuff. So you'd be back to twenty one players. 
uh, per team, etc., and will be in standard season format. So, yeah, match sim uh, done and dusted last weekend, but plenty of Irish action to talk about. Yes, and uh, a few highlights from the Irish uh, perspective. Uh, you've highlighted a few games for us, Fremantle, West Coast, Carlton and Melbourne. Um, why have you picked out those ones? Yeah, well, again, look, I suppose it's it's a sign of what's to come uh, across the season. There's already huge interest in the match sim games. The amount of messages we receive directly on WhatsApp or across the social media saying, where can I watch these games? Where can I watch them? Generally, they weren't um, streamed. Uh, the practice round coming up next weekend will be streamed by every club, so there's plenty to look forward to. But yeah, huge interest already. So just picked out a few of the games. We could talk about the whole lot of them, but uh, the first one was West Coast Eagles versus Fremantle Dockers. Uh, we'll highlight that there. Firstly, a massive 52-point win for Fremantle Dockers. So they're keen to bounce back from what would have been a disappointing season by their standards uh, last year. Now, in terms of matching, the, the the score or the final score probably isn't the most important part of the game, but that's still a significant win uh, any day out. And I suppose just from an Irish point of view, uh, fantastic to see Anya Tai was amongst the best on ground there, kicking two goals herself, a significant aerial presence throughout the game. Um, but also we saw Joanne Craig in her first competitive game in purple and she scored a goal as well. And of course, we also had Orla Lally, who has recently returned from Meath and Amy Mulholland feature. So all four Irish Dockers featured in that one. Um, the next game we had picked out there was Carlton versus Melbourne. Obviously, everyone's keen to see Melbourne, the, the defending champions, and how they're going to go up about their business. Of course, they have a new captain this season in Kate Hoare, who has replaced Daisy Pierce. So a lot of people are keen to see uh, how that role or how do you replace Daisy Pierce? You can't, you just, you get on with it. But um, that was a 21 point win for Melbourne. From an Irish point of view, we had Sinead Goldrick seriously impressive in defence, um, which is, she's starting off uh, in the build up to the season on the right foot. But on Carlton's side, we had our two Irish Blues players playing their first competitive action. So Aaron Fitzpatrick and Dana Finn both had their first run out and showed strong early signs, playing with great intent throughout. So great to see the two girls get out there. And of course, we had Blind Mackin feature as well. And we also saw that um, Blind's sister Amy has arrived out with her in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. So um, we might see her in action across the practice round or the early rounds of the season, but very much looking forward to seeing the Mackin sisters team up for the Demons. Yeah, and already we've only been through two games and the amount of Irish influence already and, and I can just, I know we're going to be very busy this season but it's fantastic that we're talking about so many Irish players. Three other games uh, that took part in the sim round that caught your attention were Hawthorne and the Western Bulldogs, the Lions and the Crows and Geelong and Collingwood. Yeah, so Hawthorne versus Bulldogs, a win for Hawthorne in that one by five points so that would have been a good win for them. Obviously Bulldogs were a finalist contention team uh, last season Um from the Irish point of view, Anya McDonough really impressed here. So this is a great start for Anya as well. Um, notable was her aerial ability and endurance throughout the game. And of course, um, we also would have seen Aileen Gilroy in action in that one for Hawthorne. So exciting to see that the two Irish Hawks um, return to action for season 2023. The next one, two of the big hitters, Brisbane Lions versus Adelaide Crows. In terms of the results, a massive 40 points win for Adelaide Crows. So they, they'll be happy with that early days um, in the build-up to the season and it was up in Brisbane as well so not only did Crows get the win up there but they also got to see the the Australian women or the Matildas yes. World Cup quarter-final against France so uh, as you know the, the World Cup has taken the place by storm but most definitely in Australia as well but of note in this game it's uh, one of the Crows we're going to be talking about Yvonne Bonner of course um, 
returning to AFLW this season with the Crows after being drafted. She scored two goals and impressed throughout with her toughness and work rate. Um, and on the Brisbane Lions side, I they will have been tuning into Crow Park on Sunday and they will be awaiting the arrival of Jennifer Dunn shortly, who's had an outstanding season here at home. So um, they're not going to be too worried that it's, that it's so close to the start of the season when Jennifer gets out. And I think it's just a case of how soon they can get her on a play now, because I'm sure that the Dubs are going to be celebrating for most of this week. Um, and the final game there that we're just going to mention was Collingwood versus Geelong Cats. Um, so a, a good win for the Cats in this one, 14-point win in very wintry conditions. So that would have made the, the new Tipperary uh, Cats players feel right at home. So we had Anna Rose Kennedy and Ashley Maloney playing their first competitive action for the Cats, running out together and both uh, playing strong minutes across that game. And of course, they were joined by Rachel Kearns, who also featured. So the three Irish Cats in action in that one. Excellent stuff. You're listening to the Cork Street FM's Big Red Bench uh, with me, Jeremy McCarthy, and our resident AFLW expert and coach to the stars, Mike Curran. Um, this weekend, Mike, we turn our attention to the official practice round. And again, you've picked out a number of games that would be of particular interest, uh, especially from Ireland's point of view. Brisbane taking on Gold Coast, Fremantle and Collywood and the Swans and Carlton at the SCG. Yeah, again, you, I'm sure there'll be interest in all of the games this weekend coming up and they'll all be available for streams. So keep an eye out for, for the links um, across the social media and that. But the first one, yeah, Brisbane Lions again versus Gold Coast. So this is a, a Queensland battle, potentially up to five Irish players involved in this one. As I say, uh, we'll have Orlo Dwyer from Brisbane Lions, even if Jennifer Dunn does get out to Australia. That she'll be involved this weekend. Uh, but hopefully she gets out to see that game. And then at Gold Coast, you have three Irish players. Neve McLaughlin has been seriously impressive since she arrived a few weeks ago, uh, already amongst the, the fastest of the Suns players in terms of their, their running testing and stuff. So really excited to see her in action. And of course, we have Cara Fitzpatrick, who has traded up from St Kilda uh, and will likely be a key defender for Gold Course and Cara McCrossan as well. So lots of Irish interest in that one. The next one is Fremantle versus Collingwood. Again, sh- purely by the weight of numbers in this one, up to six Irish players involved. So we'll have all those Dockers that we mentioned earlier in action again, Anya Tai, Orla Lally, Joanne Craig. Um, and of course, we're going to see Sarah Rowe and uh, Ashley Sheridan in action for Collingwood as well. So that should be a great game. Um, we've got Western Bulldogs versus North Melbourne Kangaroos at Arden Street. So uh, it's going to be exciting to see the Irish players, Eric O'Shea and Eve Martin, both featured in the match sim last weekend, uh, Ailish Constant was managed, so she'd only been in Australia over a week. Was raring to go, but uh, was just managed by the club, so it'll be interesting to see if she features in the practice game, but if not, um, she'll be there thereabouts for round one as well. So uh will be good to see the three Irish players run out together in that one. Sydney Swans versus Carlton at the SCG. So this is a big one. You know, a massive stadium, Sydney cricket ground, great experience for all the players involved up to six Irish players potentially involved in this one as well. At Sydney Swans, of course, we have Paris McCarthy, Julia O'Sullivan, Jennifer Higgins and Tanya Kennedy. And the aforementioned Aaron Fitzpatrick and Dana Finn from Carlton. So big excitement in that one. And, and there'll definitely be lots of people tuning in from home. And I think the last one we picked out was Adelaide Crows versus Geelong. Again, up to five Irish players. Um, we have Neve Kelly and Yvonne Bonner at Adelaide and the three cats we mentioned, Rachel Kearns, Ashley Maloney and Rose Kennedy. So I think it's only the practice round, but it's going to be setting the, the pattern for the season. Irish players all over the place involved in pretty much every match and, and just trying to, to keep tracks of them all is going to be 
uh, interesting to say the least. I'm sure we've got the best person possibly in the business to help us with that, Mike Coran. Before it all kicks off, though, where can we find your content on across social media when it comes to following all these Irish players in the AFLW? Yeah, well, if you go to at AFLW underscore Ireland on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, across the whole lot, uh, primarily on Instagram, we'll have links to the streams for all the games, team news of who's involved, updates, um, match reports, the whole works as we do um, from now through the season. So, yeah, at AFLW underscore Ireland, and you'll have all the, the info on where to see the games and who's involved. Oh, man, two weeks out and I'm getting excited already. Uh, it's real, it's happening, and never before have we had so many Irish players involved. It's going to be a fantastic season, no matter what happens, and you can follow it here on Corkshire FM's Big Red Bench with, as we said, a resident AFLW expert and, and coach to so many of those Irish players, and that's Mike Coran. Mike, thanks very much for joining us this week. We will talk to you again soon before it all kicks off. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jerry. Looking forward to it. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. So the dust has just about settled on Cork's memorable 2023 Glendimplex All-Ireland Camogie Senior Final Victory over Waterford. I sat down with the Cork Senior Manager Matthew Toomey on Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench to discuss numerous topics. In a wide-ranging interview, Matthew spoke to me about a pivotal squad meeting in the Rochestown Park Hotel on the Friday before the All-Ireland Final, how his captain, uh, Amy O'Connor, rebounded from being subbed early in a game to lead by example and score an All-Ireland Final hat-trick. Matthew also recounted an emotionally charged trip to Temple Street Hospital, why he has removed all links to his Cork player social media accounts and his appreciation of Cork Camogie's county board, management team, playing panel and supporters' combined efforts in returning the O'Duffy Cup to Leaside. Now, we are absolutely delighted here on Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench to be joined by the victorious All-Ireland Camogie senior winning manager, of the Cork senior team, Matthew Toomey, following his side's fantastic victory over Waterford. Matthew, first of all, uh, on behalf of everybody in Cork Shred FM's Big Red Bench, congratulations and well done. Um, are you over the celebrations? Are we still in celebration mode? Has it sunk in? Um, I, I don't think it's fully sunk in yet. <laughs> um, the celebration mode for me definitely finished up Tuesday. Um, I, I, I realised my age Tuesday afternoon and that was it. Um. I know. I just don't think it's really sunk in yet, you know, because it's. I suppose it's, it's just been hectic since the the final. Um, I, I got spent the last few days now at home on our own, like, and you know, kind of catching up on text messages and all that. Because the, the goal was around Cork, has been unbelievable. I never come across the likes of us, and um, it's just catching up with that kind of side of things as well. But um, just the, the achievement of it and all that. Like I, I, I've only watched the game back once. Um, you know, but you know, it's it's, it's all surreal at the moment. Can you remember what the message was in the dressing room to your players before they went out? Did you talk about the two previous finals, for example, and what was the message heading out onto the pitch? We we um we had a, a meeting on Friday night. Um, um, like we don't went down to Rosslyn Park. I, I like I I was very conscious of having you know finishing up on tours. I went until Sunday. Just thought you know that time. Um, you just want to be together, um, and you know, because we're on the same boat, and you just want to be around. So we kind of set up a meeting, and our, our performance coach Michelle did a bit, um, uh, Lynn Brown did a bit, and, and and I did a kind of slideshow, and like I I did tap into that, you know, like I just kind of referenced how, how you know the, like, it was like climbing a mountain, is what we were kind of um, emphasizing, you know, how many times we kind of slipped back down and back up, and 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 we had the slideshow and we showed pictures of the kind of lead the final defeat, the final defeat. And we just said, look, we have an opportunity to go 
Oh, one way or the other. And I, I suppose the last message going out in the field was, look, we knew if we performed to our capabilities, which we were, um, you know, attempting to do for a lot of the year, and, and we knew like that Kilkenny was a big game and Galway was a huge game, and we just you could see the belief in the players, the difference in confidence after those games. There was never like I know that for a fact. There was never an ounce of complacency in any of them in any of the training sessions. They went and everything ramped up. So um, the message going out in the field is just please play to your potential. We just don't have any regrets if we play to our potential, and that's not good enough. They must be an exceptional team. That that's kind of the the, the, the narrative going out in the field. Yeah, and you had that commanding lead at half time, one ninety three points. So can you remember what the message was at half time? Because when you're up by that score, considering Beth Carton had just missed a penalty, momentum was still with you, but you meant like there was no sign of complacency in the second half immediately afterwards. We'll talk about that three goal burst from Amy O'Connor, which decided things. But can you remember what the scene was like at half time? I mean, having just seen Waterford miss a penalty that would have brought them back into the game, how did you deal with the players during that break? Um, I, I suppose like we've been doing it all year. It's, it's, we break it down to quarters, and uh, like the big emphasis was on the third quarter. Um, I, again, like the, like you know, we have our same insider. Like obviously, we're a management. We do, but the players drive this as well. Like I, I, I can't remember which one it was. I don't want to be saying the name. I'm incorrect. But one of the players was just saying, kept saying, they kept saying, "Is let's win the second half." Like we were nine points up, and, and that's actually you shout, "Let's win the second half." We will win in our arms. You know, there was very simple messages. Like there was no panic. There was no kind of you know, keep too much of doing. We we just wanted the next. Like we we had our, our kind of set standards. We wanted for the quarter, and we wanted to achieve that. And look, the, the, the third quarter we achieved way more than what we, you know, had set out. Obviously, so look at that stage, and the game was over. We don't want to pick out individuals, as you said, because this was a full squad effort. Your panel is what won you this All Ireland Championship, Matthew, and I know you know that well. But we can't not talk about your captain. And like she's as humble, she's as the most humble player on the team. As she said herself, she didn't even realize she scored a hat trick. But when you're on the sideline and you're in the management team and you're in the bowls of Crow Park and you're in the midst of everything that's going on, I can't imagine what it's like for a manager. But when you see this happening in front of you, what were you thinking? I mean, like, I mean, obviously she's an outstanding talent, but of all the players in the pitch to, to manage that feat, she's the one you would imagine in the Cork team that would do it. But to do it in all Ireland final day, it just shows what a special player she is. And what is it about her as a captain? Because I find her incredibly humble any time I speak to her. But what is it about her in the dressing room and around the other players that you know that makes her the captain that she is? Um, it's it, it's it's very hard to put into words about Amy. Um, you know, there's, there's been pressure on her like she's on the pants since 2014. But there's been pressure on her every time she goes out and field. You know, she's the marked player herself and Katrina. Like they've been be marked up. Like and you know, she's been under pressure. So if she comes off the field getting a pint or two, I think she got five pints last year, all from freeze. There's not a question mark over her, but like I, I don't listen to any of that clatter again. Like because the work she does in training, like is immense. You know, like she tries to better herself all the time. When you when you see like one of the players like that again, because she's under so much pressure, and probably because she was captain, she was even on more pressure. The performance like that, like even in the first half, taking the three goals away, like they have ten shots and targets they end up at three seven is just like it's, it's incredible like if some, someone says why they're over stuff I think it's even beyond that it's, it's absolutely unbelievable as a, as a as a player she's been outstanding all it has been but like as a captain you know you, you have different types of captains like to me like out in the field the likes of Laura Tracy you know Hannah Looney Ashley Thompson you know Liv McAllen the young one coming up and through like she, she's going to be an exceptional kind of, they're all leaders 
because they, you know, they motivate and they talk well and they, and to be fair to them, they back it up. But it's it, it, it's Amy does everything. You know, she she doesn't say much to the players, but when she does, it really sticks to them. But like she just leads by example and everything she does, the way she carries herself, the way she you know treats her body, the way she has everything prepared. She's absolutely spot on, and she she'd often come to me, John Deere, with a quiet word, never to make any big drama about it or you know shouting words inside in the dressing room. She come to me to have a quiet word. The first league game this year we played against in the All Ireland series, we played against Galway after five minutes in the second half. We took her off, and things weren't going right for her, and we felt you know that just we need fresh blood in there. And you know she she came to us on Tuesday very very professionally, and you know just said, "What am I doing wrong? Where can I improve?" And it was a simple conversation. She had myself and Liam Cronin. And, like, you know, I'm not saying that's the catalyst of the, of the reason she changed her year, but her whole, you know, dynamics, just, she, she just put the head down. She was, like, I think game after game, like, she improved. Unbelievable. And you were just so happy for her um, just to put in a performance like that in the big day. And, and you know, like, what she got on, on, on Sunday, but what she got done in Vincent's on, on Monday was just unbelievable. And, and deserved so much like. it certainly was and that's very well well articulated can I ask you as the manager of the Cork team have you been keeping an eye on your players social media accounts over the past week because I have and uh, they're certainly and deservedly celebrating this success with you but uh, it's making for interesting viewing to put it mildly yeah um, I suppose I did the deal myself when I took over the manager's job I deleted them all um, <laughs> but my kids have them they'll be showing me stuff and um, yeah look Fair player to their flipping liver, you know, they, they, must, they must be unbelievable. Like, I suppose you'd have to give that to Wesley O'Brien for all the training, you must train the livers as well as everything else. Um, no, look, I, spill, I suppose they have to settle down now because they're back to their clubs and all that. And I think a couple of them are away for a break. And, you know, they needed that week off, mm. you know, just to kind of come back down to work and look, go back and do their best for their clubs now. But look, Hannah's, Hannah's an unbelievable character. Like, you know, there's not too many people going to Sunday game with a car cat in them. But, Again, another one of these players, like when we need to hand them the most in the second half of the semi final and for the final 18 possessions, and every one of them were driving forward and bursting through and, and, and giving great balls into our forwards. Um, and especially was extremely tough on the four duels this year, but especially Hannah. Um, she missed out in two the, the, our championship game, and she missed in the, the, the down game and the Clare game. So she missed about four weeks of Camogie and still come out and perform like that in the semi final and final. It's, it's a massive credit for like. You know, she's all that fun, but like my God, when when Hannah has to roll up the sleeves, Hannah rolls up the sleeves. Like she's 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 a class act. Indeed, she is, as well as the entire panel. Um, I won't ask you about the immediate aftermath because we spoke very briefly on the pitch, but I don't expect you to remember everything that happened in the immediate aftermath, Matthew. But one thing I did enjoy watching and seeing across social media and on television was when you visited the sick kids in hospital afterwards. It's something that didn't happen in the hurling of the football finals this year. How I mean, that's a humbling moment after all the excitement that's gone on, how humbling was it and how lovely was it um, to do that with your players and, and, and yourself to go into, into Temple Street? Yeah, I, I, you hit the nail on the head. Humbling is the word. Um, I, I bought two of the, the Zero Egan and the name we don't drink, so they were the two I picked Sunday night to come with me. The, the two, the, we, we, come, we came away from the three of us and, and like we, we had the, the kit band with us and we came away and it was, like the, the three was just nearly shaking. Like, you know, you're, you're seeing kids up there, like you know, and you know, there's there's one kid in particular, Barbara, small girl with glasses, and she's actually going through an awful lot. She's in the hospital since May, and she just, oh my God, she'd break her heart when you're talking. Mm-hmm. Well, she was such a lovely kid. Um, 
look, I, 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 I've said it, you know, winning in All Ireland was unbelievable. Like, but look, spend the day up there with your child, and you, you know what life's all about. You know, winning and losing. You know, you get your child out of the hospital. Winning, it's, it's more important than winning any All Ireland. Um, it was, it was fantastic, and like we really appreciated the opportunity to go up there, and um, you know, it's something the three of us will have. Like, and as I say, we spent kind of twenty minutes coming home or going back to the hotel from the hospital and it was um, it was just you know it was, it was it was a nice moment for the three of us to have as well because we were just in you know all, all those people up there like what they do and you know for the families what they go through with their kids like it's, it's, it's incredible very well said um, finally uh, we don't know what the future holds can I ask you do you know what your future is or is any decision made on it just yet no I, I don't think anything has come up about that yet like you know okay. I, I know I got a two year term that, that two year term is up obviously you know but look I haven't taught anyone I haven't thought about it but there, there was so much focus going into mm. the in, in, in trying to gain, regain the Odofi Cup um, look that, that, that's the, 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 the first okay. and foremost and the players go back to their clubs now and you know and, and that's another like, we're heading off on holiday soon enough now so um, okay. that's the, the the first port of call now Alright I appreciate you answering I know it's a difficult question I want to leave on a positive note though um for you, Matthew, because um, whatever about the homecoming and the crowds that came out, I noticed yeah. it, and I'm not just saying it. I know you did too, probably just more so on the media night before the All-Ireland. The growth of Camogie in Cork, it's a combination of the county board, the senior, the intermediate, inter-county teams, underage, and all the clubs that push this and make it what it is. It is, a, it is, it is no the momentum behind Camogie and Cork, and you see it more than I do um, from watching all the matches, it's on the up. There's a huge, huge support behind it and the good wishes and the goodwill towards you, your management team and the entire Cork panel, certainly this year. I've never, I've watched over the last couple of years, I've been on the Crow Park pitch and the heartbreak of those other finals interviewing you afterwards, which is not easy. But besides all of that, have you noticed that? Is this a real thing? Is Camogie on the up in the county in your estimation? on and off the pitch because I've seen it this year and I've been taken aback at so many people and such goodwill and it's you'll be the first to admit it's not just one or two people's efforts it's a county board it's a, it's a senior management team it's an intermediate management team it's all those inter-county underage coaches and players and all the clubs and supporters but has it ever been in such a positive state? No, look I, I don't think so and, and, and you know Obviously, the win helps everything, but you know the sixteen, the minor success, the intermediates won the league. They were unlucky not to, to push on for the All Ireland this year. Um, no, the goodwill has been like I, I've never come across like this. You know, there's, there's probably I, I don't want to mention names though because I'm not favourite. Mm. Like, two of the greatest players ever played the game were on to me last week, wish, wishing us well. And, and you know, even even Pat Ryan, the Cork hurling manager, was on as well. You know, all these kind of people and plenty more. Like I, I like, you know, there's times I, I like I love getting involved with a team for trying to help the team out. I, I don't like the kind of the the spotlight side of stuff. Um, but I'm walking through town, I'm walking through Douglas and people stop me, I don't even know them wishing as well and you know saying, Geez, you, you, like your team is unbelievable if so some heart. And I, I think that's that like in, in, in our county board, you know, all the county boards get criticism, our county board have been unbelievable to us, like even coming up to the final there wasn't a question of answering what this is what you want and and, and even they give us more than what we wanted. So there's first credit to go to them because I know sometimes with them it's like loaves and fishes. Like, but the, like the, it's 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 really on a high at the moment, like, and it really needs to be pushed on now. Um, you know, like we we I think everyone knows that the main reason we kind of pushed the Ireland is because of our panel. Like, we had 20 players willing to come on, but by the time the Ireland came around, we were we were saying we had 25 players. Even like you're bringing on subs, you know, they deserve to come on. There's no doubt about that. But you even feel guilty because there's a couple of more come on and do the same job. And 
that's the, like I know in, in, in my time in Barbara you're watching it closely that has never been the case like and it's, it's you know it's, it's massive credit to everybody Indeed it is. And on that note, we let you off the hook for your media, your media requirements for what's been an, uh, what feels like an eternity, but a very, very long but successful season. I'm delighted for you. I'm delighted for your management team as well, especially as well as the players and everybody here in Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench and everybody in the media, not just us, to be fair as well, um, feels the same way. We're absolutely delighted that you've gotten over the line, won the O'Duffy Cup and done it uh, in a thrilling manner, beating all the best teams to get there. Uh, Matthew Toomey, enjoy that holiday and uh, turn off that phone maybe for a week or two. <laughs> you can be sure of it. And come here, thanks a million again for everything during the year. It's, it's nice to have a call like this because we, we had a few tricky ones that we were trying to make fun of stuff but it wasn't there. Like, well, thanks a million. All the best, Matthew. That's Matthew Toomey, the Cork Senior Camogie Manager, following their All-Ireland success uh, in Crow Park a couple of weeks ago against Waterford uh, here on the Big Red Bench. The 2023 SE Systems Cork Camogie Club Championships are underway, so I caught up with the Carby Division Senior and Clonakilty Club Captain, Niamh Desmond Collins. Niamh joined me on the Big Red Bench to review Carberry's opening round victory over Aventou and preview a difficult opening group phase for her club, Clonakilty. We also discussed the difficulty of being a dual club player and what might lie in store for the remainder of this year's championships in both Carberry and Clannacilty colours. Now on Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench we are looking ahead to this weekend's SE Systems Cork Camogie Championship which returned last weekend with a huge amount of games played across the senior, intermediate and junior grades but we're delighted to be joined uh, by Niamh Desmond Collins who's the captain of the Carberry Divisional Team taking part in this year's Senior Camogie Championship. Uh, Niamh, you're first of all you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. How are you? Good, thanks, Jared. Thanks a million for having me on. Yes, uh, and welcome back as well. We were talking just before, and you're back from Australia uh, and back uh, straight into the thick of things again. But you were in Australia for how long and what part? Uh, I was in Australia for nearly four years. Yeah, so back with a bang. I spent a year in Sydney and almost three in Perth. So I love my time out there as well. A, a different place to be playing GAA, but um, it was great to be part of another community as well. Yes, and you've, uh, I should mention as well, you're part of the Clonakilty LGFA Senior Championship team as well this year. So you're going to be quite busy. Um, can I put it to you, just somebody that would have experienced the kind of lifestyle in Australia, the sporting lifestyle, especially in Sydney, which I know from briefly visiting, sport is, is king over there. Coming back now to obviously a little bit of a cooler climate, but you're back into the thick of it again. Have you noticed the, an increase in the number of people that are playing both at ladies football and camogie since you've returned? Definitely, yeah. Um, I suppose w- there's definitely people going over and leaving us as well. But anyone who is still around, um, it's brilliant to see that they're they're getting involved in GA, whether it's in Camogie or LGFA. Um, it's a brilliant uh, community to be part of. And like that, sometimes we complain about being out every night with the training, but it's a great social aspect um, to meet people. And coming back myself, it was great to get to know people again and the younger ones coming through to get to know them especially. Indeed, the younger ones coming through at both Carberry and Clonakilty level. Let's talk about Carberry first because you've already, um, at the time of recording, you've you've played your opening round in the SE Systems Cork Camogie Senior Championship. It was in Castle Road. It was against Avondu and you registered, uh, Carberry registered a fantastic victory. Uh, first of all, how happy were you with the overall team performance because the score suggests you were quite dominant? Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. I think we didn't get going really until the second half. Uh, we were only up a point at half time. But everyone um, came together and I suppose it's hard with a divisional team getting to know other clubs and names. But we got rid of those cheating problems the last maybe six weeks. We had a few challenge matches and 
everyone worked really well together yesterday. And in fairness, like you said, about younger players were in there in the full forward line, knocking in them goals. Um, so it was brilliant, but fair play to have and do as well. They they put up a, a really good match and it was it was really close for um, most of the game, to be fair. Yes, and there seems to be as well um, a big push in the last couple of years, not just this season, uh, Niamh, behind the scenes with the sponsorship that Carberry Camogie has received, not just at senior level, but at all the underage levels as well. And also with the management team, I know Tony Coppinger is heavily involved, um, a big push and a lot of talented players there, as you said, and this is the best possible start for you this year. Absolutely. Um, I know next in about two weeks we're up against Shandoon, so um, the, the pressure will be on, but I don't see why we shouldn't go out and give it our big best shot. Um, they've obviously got back-to-back titles, but we've got a really good team there now this year between um, younger players and probably myself and the older end of the spectrum. But we'll say uh, I bring maybe a bit of experience along with that as well, hopefully. So, yeah, why not go out and, and give it our best shot and, and see what we can do? I would imagine as well, Niamh, that it helps having um, the likes of Orla Loney, Katie O'Driscoll, Niamh Kennedy and Amy McCarthy, who are the Clonakilty players you'll be lining up with in the Intermediate Championship. It's no harm to play with as many of them in this senior environment. It's a step up, obviously, uh, after getting over Avondu and the Shandoon test is going to be uh, a tough one. But that will help you and the Clan players, much like it will help the other players from the other clubs uh, involved in Carberry as well when it comes to their club championship games. Absolutely. Like, I think that's why we nearly get involved with Carberry is just to, to keep the touch in, um, especially there between league and championship, just to get a, a few extra games. And I think between Clannacilty and Kilbritton and maybe Ballinscarty are making up most of the Carberry team at the moment. So it's brilliant to play alongside one another and, as you say, get to know the, the style. And hopefully that'll, that will be um, helping us out then for championship as well when it comes to Clannacilty, Camogie. The younger girls are doing brilliantly. Um, and it's really exciting for them to see what even comes in the next few years as well. Indeed, it does. It will. Uh, you're listening to Corshall FM's Big Red Bench. Uh, we are speaking to the Carberry Senior Camogie captain for 2023, Niamh Desmond Collins, who's already captained our side to an opening round win in the SE Systems Cork Camogie Senior Championship over Avenue 6 8 to 1 3 at Castle Road. And now, your thoughts as we record this, uh, Niamh, th- your thoughts are turning immediately towards the Intermediate Club Championship because Clonakilty have been handed a tough test in your group draw. You've got Carrigaline, Ballinhasig, and Newtown Shandrum, names synonymous with Camogie in the county. But um, a bit of I won't say confidence but a bit, uh, it sounds like you know the, the amount of clan players that are representing Carberry is a very very good thing for the club but it sounds like um, a, an equally good setup there and a big push in Camogie over the last few years in that tone Yeah definitely um, we as you said have a, a massive underage talent there and there's then girls as well in Clan Kilty who um, have kids and and they're still playing and it's a huge credit to them to be part of the team as well we've Ballon Hasek up first or sorry we've Carrig Line up first now um, in a few days but um, I think yeah we're confident in, in our ability we've done the training um, we've four people involved with us there on the sideline that have put in massive work um, Tuesday and, and Friday evenings for training um, I suppose our biggest challenge is being out nearly too many nights a week with, with football and things in as well. But look, um, the fitness will stand to us. And I think there's about 20 girls playing both camogie and football for Clannacilty. So um, we're well used to playing with each other at this stage. So um, hopefully we can bring it together and get the win this week. Yes, and as you said, the the games, well, everybody training, if you have time for training, but between Carberry, the footballers and the Camogie, but uh, the games will come thick and fast and the Ladies Football Championship begins this coming weekend as well, where Clannacilty have a tough opening home tie. 
Yeah, we definitely do. We're we're uh, playing St. Val's on Sunday um, in, a, in our home, Ahamilla. So, um, look, hopefully we can bring it together again. The training has been done. It's just more getting the mindset right now. And if we can play as a team and help one another out, we should we should be able to put it up to them. Um, it's it's quite uh, an ask of somebody, of an amateur sports person, uh, including yourself, to represent your division and represent your club with two different coaches. There's been a lot of chat, I would imagine, you've seen since you've come home from Australia about the three associations, GA, LGFA and Camogie, eventually amalgamating. Um, I suppose from a player's point of view, when you're in the thick of it, it's, it's, it's a, you're a good person to ask this question. As much as all the training and the matches are going on, I mean, you, you play because of you love the games and you love playing those games. Do you see uh, if the three come together, would it be easier from a player's point of view if you had a specific week for camogie, a specific week for football, and that they weren't crisscrossing as much? Or is that possible, do you think? Yeah, I I actually just filled out that survey for for during the week. So and did I. I. <laughs> yeah, I was nearly the right person to, to fill it out and probably giving a bit too much of an explanation, but... Um, I definitely think there's there's huge benefits to come out of if they do amalgamate and integrate the three codes together. Um, it should be able to happen. You see there with senior hurling and senior football for the men, they're able to organise um, football training for a Tuesday and Thursday and then play that football match that weekend and then the following weekend do it for hurling. So look, if there's a bit of organisation and obviously um, input from our level even as players then up to club and and up to the county board it, we should be able to get uh, it more organized with fixtures so the players aren't out every night of the week um and having to deal with like, the likes of fatigue and injury then as a result yeah i hope they take your uh, uh, your valid and your uh, obviously good reasoning on board in that survey i'd say they got a good few responses similar <laughs> to the same thing but it's good to hear you talking somebody talking sensibly but it's only fair as well i mean as you said like at this time of the year when you are a dual player you're out in the pitch pretty much every night of the week then you've got matches coming thick and fast which is great but over a period of time um that doesn't help Young players doesn't help players that are not so young. Um, and having a kind of calendar, that's what everybody's looking for here, Niamh. If they want a calendar for club championship and for intercounty, that's fine. But uh, a kind of way where you have a moment to breathe, I think is what I'm getting at more than anything in between your games. Definitely. I think just for even our own uh, mental health, to be honest, we, we need something um, to happen. Like we do it, as you say, because we love it um, and we might complain, but at the end of the day, we still want to be part of it. I don't think any player should have to choose between camogie and ladies football. But at the moment, even personally, it, it's it's a challenge. It's a really big challenge. And next year, I'd nearly be thinking, mm. would I have to pick one over the other? Um but look, if we can all try to get on and communicate positively about it, there, again, I don't see why we shouldn't be able to come together and find some solution um, in terms of just having the fixtures separated out, even as it is. I think we have a clash with Camogie Championship for Clan and um, and Clan Guilty Football on the one day. So I'm, we, we still don't know what we're going to do about it, but might have to do half and half with the players or something. Jeez. I don't know. I hope not. But there you go. And like we've been, I've been through this the last couple of years as well with Cork Camogie Senior and Cork Camogie Ladies Football. It's just a bit, as you said, a bit of polite conversation between everybody involved will solve all these things. Let's hope uh, that that happens between now when those matches take place. Just finally looking ahead, Niamh, um, to first let's, let's take Carberry, a big boost to beat Avondue by the score that you did. Um, what's the goal this year for the Carberry panel? I mean, you've, you've had a bit of time together, not much time together. Shandoon's going to be a real, real test. I mean, this is, you know, this is, this is as big, a big a test as you're going to get potentially in the Senior Championship this year, considering the wealth of talent that they've got. But what's, what's a realistic goal 
goal and what, what are the what are the things that you're hoping to achieve with Carberry this year as captain? Um, so yesterday was a brilliant result in the first place and it got us off to um, a great start. It was it was lovely to see the work there in the second half and how we performed. Um, I think we should go out with the biggest goal of trying to beat Shandoon. I don't think we should shy away from it. Um, if we go in with the, the wrong mindset in the first place, there's no point even showing up. But um, a realistic goal is just to put it up to them and give it our all. Um, we may as well put in the effort like that. I obviously have been away, but I, I looked up the results there over the last few years and who who was coming up beside them. But um, we should give it our all, especially as was a third division and we're going to come up against them next. We can't do anything about it, even though they're the winners from the last two years. But we may as well give it our best shot. Exactly. What else can you do? Um, listen, on behalf of everybody here on the Big Red Bench, uh, we wish you, Niamh Desmond Collins, all the best with both Carberry and Clannacilty in this year's SE Systems Cork Camogie Championships. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us on the show. Thanks very much, Chair. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and guests between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.